Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Okay, welcome back into Sports Talk, everybody, here on the Sports Talk Media Network from Dave and Busters. Just talking to a, a very happy uh, couple that walking out of Dave and Busters after having a terrific meal. Listening to Sports Talk, too. Appreciated that. So it is time to shift gears from all of that and welcome in once again for another edition of SC Wild from DNR here on Sports Talk. He is the major. Billy Downer, been a few weeks since we last had the major on with us, so I know he's got a lot to talk about with us tonight related to waterfowl in South Carolina, the end of deer season, and who knows what else. Major, good evening. How are you, sir? Great to hear your voice tonight. You may be Thanksgiving, I hear. It is great to have you with us as well. Where are you tonight? Uh, I am on the road right now, so. We're mobile tonight. You're on. I, you're out on the road, and I'm on the road. Yeah, I didn't know if maybe you were out in a field somewhere doing something, or or traveling somewhere. No, not tonight. Traveling home from work. We're just going doing it live on the road. Um, you know, tonight just a little wrap up. Uh, we are at 25 days to go in deer season. For those that may be counting that, uh, once again in South Carolina, it's 70 degrees. And yeah. <laughs> foggy, gone is the cold weather, waiting on some cold weather again. It's it's just South Carolina, like we always say. If you don't like the weather today, just wait for tomorrow. It'll change. So yes. um, we're in that warm spell here. But interestingly enough, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about deer are moving. Bucks are being seen a lot more on camera, on game cameras. Don't really understand why. But it seems like right now is a little activity uh, in the rut category and some nice deer being seen, potentially being taken also. And the late part of deer season, I've always said, you know, don't count your deer season out, particularly in December because a lot of folks quit hunting, pressure decreases. And when the pressure decreases, deer start showing back up sometimes. There's always that place that deer are going to go nocturnal with a lot of pressure, and they're going to stay nocturnal for the end of the year. But there are times when they'll come out and keep feeding, uh, keep food plots planted, and you'll have some success here late in the season. Remember, my daughter's big buck was killed the day after Christmas. So there's still some nice deer that can be taken late in the season. But it is warm. It's hard to go out when you feel like you got to swap mosquitoes in December. But here we are again. Um Waterfowl season, our first season, or what we traditionally call the Thanksgiving season, has come and gone. We're in the break now, waiting on the second season. First season, um, you know, South Carolina up and down. If you don't have uh, some private impoundments, a lot of times the ducks are kind of sparse. Uh, We had some really good uh, hunts on our public lands. You hear me always talk about our waterfowl management areas uh, down the coast. Two that I would highlight tonight, the Cape, the Old Santee Gun Club, 
uh, what we call the Cape unit, and Bear Island. Both had really good hunts in December, excuse me, in November, during that Thanksgiving break there. Uh, Cape was the number one hunt, I think, on our records. The number one, they had four and a half ducks per man. Phil, you always love to know what a half duck looks like. I don't know. I'm still trying yes. to figure that out. But yes. four and a half ducks a man, I think Bear Island was behind it with three and a half or somewhere around there. Number one duck on, on uh, as far as in the bag was Gabwall at the Cape, which is a good indicator for us. Gabwall is a larger duck, more in the mallard size range. Um, they're not as big as a mallard, but they are a big duck. We call it, they, we include them in the big duck category. Quality duck, uh, good meat, uh, good table fare. Uh, so those led the way behind those at the Cape was blue wing teal. On the coast, teal are always going to be in the top of the bag. And then behind that was shovelers. The old uh, smiling mallard, as they call them, or Mr. T- you know, so um, they were uh, plentiful there as well. The Bear Island, pretty much blue wing and green wing teal were your number one, number two there, uh, with a few uh, model ducks scattered in there. Not many so far this year, but teal a big deal on the coast. A lot of teal. Our ponds, inland, a lot of ringnecks uh, continue to be what everybody's trading with the occasional uh, mallard, mostly put out mallards a lot of times. These, um, the, the, um, the mallards have basically been put out. But a lot of times, right now, some, a lot of gabwall, a lot of teal was big in the bag. Of course, all across the state in backwater areas, wood ducks are going to top the bag. For most folks that just go to beaver ponds, you're going to have some good wood duck hunting. It just depends on if you got water or not. I was talking to our state climatologist today in South Carolina, is still considered to be in a moderate drought, um, which is hard to believe when you got water standing in the field, but not everywhere has that. So we're still low on river flows. Our river flows are down. So if river flows are down, you don't have backed up areas on rivers uh, with flooded backwaters, which are the places that wood ducks favorite, favor. So um, if you've gotten enough rain or you have the ability to flood an area, you may have some wood ducks there, but... Uh, for the most part, our river systems are typically kind of low right now, waiting on some rain. Typically late December, January, we'll get some rains in there. Things will fill up, and you'll see some activity on wood ducks pick up, pick up again. And, of course, all of our management areas will be open as we move through the year. The rest of the, as the season opens up here on the 12th of December and through the end of January. So that's kind of our wrap-up of the first duck season. Deer season, that's kind of where we are as far as, uh, you know, movement, weather. You know, duck season follows the same thing. When it's hot, nobody really wants to duck hunt. Everybody wants it to be cold. It's wintertime. We want it to be cold. Typically, we see cold weather uh, up north will push ducks down because severe wind, severe ice and snow will freeze areas that ducks like to feed in water areas, and they'll be pushed south. Uh, we haven't seen that this year yet. Now, have been some pushes, some ducks, ringnecks that are typically here this time of year moving through to Florida or here. Uh, so there is some uh, some ducks around, but not a lot of huge numbers from what I'm gathering so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of where we are on waterfowl and deer season. Um, Phil, I know you got a question looming. You always do. What's on your mind? Well, the waterfowl situation... So, 
the hunters like to get out when it's cold. It's not there yet. So as a result, are you seeing the population of the ducks growing in the typical areas where they come in and land, but because they're not being taken, when the when the hunters do get out in number, there's going to be a huge supply for them to go after? Well, that's a great question, Phil, but our numbers of the waterfowl that we take are not based on waterfowl raised in this state. They're based on our waterfowl that are raised in Prairie, Canada, and the Prairie Pothole regions of the United States, up in the uh, Midwest, up in North Dakota, from the Dakotas, and into Canada, and into the alluvial forest there. That's where our ducks, that's a duck factory. That's where Ducks Unlimited spends a lot of money trying to preserve that land up there. The really only ducks that we produce here in South Carolina are wood ducks. Um, so pressure is a factor in, in waterfowl success. If there's less pressure sometimes, there may be more ducks around. As pressure mm-hmm. increases, uh, ducks spread out. But uh, so there's a lot of factors in that. So that's a great question. And, I know, and, and, and honestly, you wouldn't have known that, but waterfowl for us, again, are produced in the prairie potholes of Canada. And that's all based on rain. Um, do they have enough rain areas to nest? Is there enough cover to nest? And one of the huge factors in the last 15, 20 years that we've discovered is um, predators like uh, skunks, raccoons, foxes, things that eat eggs. I know you probably didn't know skunks eat eggs, but they do. Uh, and those are animals that target waterfowl nests and can damage our population that we see in the future by destroying the nest. So, of course, if there's not an egg, it can hatch, and therefore there won't be a duck uh, in the end, you know, in the end of that process. The same way, similarly, water does help waterfowl nest better. It gives them areas to spread out. When there's less water, ducks concentrate. When ducks are concentrated, it's easier for predators to find them. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they can have an effect on the amount of waterfowl produced from nesting and the nest success. So a lot of information in there. Wood ducks for us, again, you know, they are, they are our state duck. You know, hooded mergansers are also uh, there. But uh, the, the wood ducks are a big duck that we raise here. You know, and I will mention this as a side note. In recent years, we have seen um, an increase in the black-bellied whistling duck uh, in our state uh, coming up from Florida that are actually nesting here. Um, and we've made, I've done several shows, and we'll, we'll bring back um, some of our waterfowl folks. And I'd like to talk about model ducks again because that's a big a big interest place for people, too, on the coast particularly. But the model duck is the duck that we brought here. We've talked about that before in the 80s. And um, we brought them up from Louisiana, Florida, mixed them around, and we brought them in here. And those ducks are now in about 20,000 as a local population, which is significantly more than we thought. So they have a um, positive effect on what you might see an opportunity for waterfowl hunters on the coast. They are a coastal duck. Our wood duck is from the coast to the to the mountains, mouths to the sea. Our wood ducks are everywhere. So they're very popular, and for the most part, 
our number one duck in the bag because of their um, locality across the state. Um, and their well, net um, success is based on holes in wood and trees. So, While we're talking about this, and, of course, you've got the holiday season, the next holiday season uh, coming up, not so sure that duck – was eaten largely during the Thanksgiving season. That's the turkey time. But maybe in the upcoming holiday season, that might be a, uh, a meal that folks want to enjoy. Uh, give us one or two of your favorite recipes for preparing duck. Uh, and, and also what a newcomer to eating duck might look for the first time they eat. What should they expect the taste to be like? So, Duck, like everything else, wild game has that quote-unquote gamey taste. Um, So you're going to want to generally marinate that meat in something that will infuse into the meat and give you some really good flavor. Now, um, most duck is pretty, the breast is the main piece. Uh, So the breast is really the meat you're getting out of that duck. And depending on the type duck, wood ducks, mallards, you get a pretty good-sized breast. Mallard a lot more than you do in a wood duck, and then teal. But each duck has kind of a consistency to their meat that's a little different. I will tell you that sometimes diving ducks are tough, but ringnecks are very, very juicy as far as the meat. It's really, it really will take up a marinade real well. Um, but duck meat overall is, is, is really good for marinating. You're going to take that breast, and you, if it's a a bigger breast, like a mallard breast, you're going to cut it in three slices, three equal pieces. And um, I like to cut the meat so that allows marinade to penetrate into the meat. So when you cut it in slices, it exposes some uh, that meat, the sinew open, to where the meat's directly touching that marinade and soaks it up. You can also mm. take an injector and inject marinade in there. But my, my really, really simple, it's become one of my favorites and most people that eat with me love this, and they look forward to this. It's a simple teriyaki. Just the old teriyaki marinade, uh, kikamon, whatever. And soak that breast in kikamon for 24 hours. Pull it out, wrap it in bacon, half piece of bacon per slice, stick a toothpick through it, uh, put it on the grill, and uh, you're going to grill that meat to medium to medium rare, warm pink to red center. It's okay. If you've frozen that meat, you're killing most of the bottles. Now you're going to cook it, but you want that center to be warm pink to red, just the center, cooked on the outside, uh, not overdone. Because game, when you overcook it, it becomes leather. You don't want that. When you pull right before you pull that meat off the grill, or as soon as you pull it off, you put it on a plate, you're going to take honey. And huh. squeeze a dab of honey across the top of each marinated piece of that bacon. And that honey is going to fall over that so you get that sweet and salty taste. It's a great combination, an easy marinade, easy to do, and it's absolutely great. Not a lot of honey, just a little squeeze, a little drop of honey on that, a little bit more to drop, a little dab to cover that meat, and it just dries on there and creates, when it's warm, a really, really... Um, unique and really good flavor. So that's my favorite. I think that you should you should bottle that and call it the Major's Marinade, huh? 
bottle that and sell it. The Major's yeah, yeah. Marinade. Now, the marinade that I also like, another one is, is basically using a soy sauce base, but it's called Allegro Game Tame. You can find that. It's made by Allegro. It's really a soy sauce base um, marinade, but, again, a lot of salt in it. Um, but you marinate the meat in that. Or <clears throat> I like Cajun injectables. And the Cajun injector, the Creole butter is a great one. Take the Creole butter, take your needle and inject that in there, a little bit of a hot spice butter uh, into that meat. Again, you wrap that bacon um, and cook that and you just eat it right off the grill. Wild game is always best served right off the grill. Don't put it up. Don't expect it to stay warm. As soon as it comes off is when you eat it. And that's when it's mm -hmm. always best is fresh off the grill. I, I don't know about Do you, Phil, but I love cooking a steak and having it right off yeah. the grill same thing same premise no question do you now as far as your fire is concerned your grilling do you you use briquettes or do you use wood or do you use mesquite what do you like to put in there to cook it on uh, all right so that's you know it's your option i've had it a number of ways um you know i typically cook on gas typically my temperature is going to be about 350 uh it's going to be about it depends on your grill and how fast your grill cooks. Everybody has to know their grill. Some grills, if they're small at 350, 10 and 10, you're done. 10 minutes, turn it over 10 minutes. If it's a bigger grill like mine, it's 20 and 20. It just depends on your grill. Again, you want to cook both sides, cook that bacon, but have it to a warm pink to red center on the mm -hmm. duck. And take a slice in their check basket to let you know where you're at. Um, my son loves a Traeger grill. You know, Traeger's been the new fad in the last few years. Those wood, if it's not a Traeger, the wood pelletized grills. Um, he loves that grill because of the uh, slowness that cooks, and it holds a good temperature. It's really steady. And I will tell you, it makes a really, really good-tasting duck, um, particularly the hickory. I love their hickory-flavored pellets. Um, but... Truly, you pick your best flavor, whatever you want. And I do like mm -hmm. the pellet grills. That's kind of a new thing out. Uh, of course, you know, then there's the, green, the big green egg, which is basically charcoal yep. and it's modern feature. Um, also works real well. But um, the main thing, again, is steady temperature around 350 and cooking to that warm red center. So that's, that's the biggest ingredient. And eating it fresh. I mean, you know, it's always yep. best fresh. Now, Everybody wants to talk about a duck. You know, what duck, what duck tastes better? Well, teal are probably one of the best-tasting ducks. Not sure I could tell you why. They're just excellent table fare. Past that, most of the other duck um, species that we would name, Maori, Gabwall, Pintail, uh, and your um, uh, ringneck, Camasback, they all basically taste about the same. I've said it before on the show, it's funny if you go back in history books and look, the canvasback was king, and that in New York in the 20s was like $12 a plate. Imagine how expensive that is in today's hmm. time. Yeah. $12 back in the 20s for a canvasback plate. Uh, so it was revered as a very good table fare. But I will tell you that most ducks, the big ducks, taste the same. 
most people don't like a shoveler because they dabble in mud a lot. Um, they don't like um, uh, sometimes if you get into the divers, depending on what they're eating, they're eating a lot of clams and mussels, their meat not may not taste as, as good. Um, mm -hmm. And similarly, a hooded merganser, because it eats fish, is not that good of meat. Um, so I don't shoot things I don't eat. That's just my practice, what I try to teach my kids. If we hunt something, we eat it. Um, so we try to work real hard at uh, finding ways to make uh, the things that we hunt have a really good, you know, good taste. And my kids' favorite meal, as I've, I've said before, is always deer loin. And right behind it, right in front of that, would be doves. They love uh, grilled dove breasts. They love that. So that's been our family now, favorite. We love duck as well. But I will tell you, the one that I've never conquered, as great as you make me out to be a cook, and I like to yeah. think I am, but I've never conquered goose. So I, I welcome anyone to call in on the show that has a great recipe for goose because I've never figured one out. You mean like... That how have you tried to cook a goose? Really, how, have you, how have you tried to cook it? Well, I've tried it every way I do my duck. Every marinade I've tried, I've tried different slices. I've tried cooking it small. I've tried frying it. I've tried a number of things, and it just never tastes right. It mm -hmm. just doesn't. Um, and um, I've heard of people making jerky out of it. That just never uh, really has tasted as good to me. Uh, so I, I look forward to hearing somebody give me a good goose recipe because I have not ever uh, found one. Now, that's Canada goose. There's different species of goose. The speckle-bellied goose, they call that flying ribeye because it absolutely is a wonderful <laughs> table fare as well. I, don't ask me why it's let, different, but it is. Let me ask you this. We never really talked about I don't think that I can recall. We haven't talked a lot about goose hunting in South Carolina. Is it a is that a hot topic along the lines of duck hunting? So goose hunting in our state depends on where you are. Typically, our early seasons where we see a lot of interest in goose hunting, and we used to have a late season as well. The late season as well, but the early goose season um, where the whole state's open is really our in-state goose season where we have an opportunity to control the quote-unquote golf course goose because there is no predator on those things and they um, lay eggs and have plenty more uh, I used to pick on Daryl Shipes if he's listening I'd love I, I, I used to pick on them all the time Daryl mm -hmm. you brought geese to this state they went to he was part of the group that went to New York they packed them up and brought them down here was a great idea until it wasn't <laughs> and now there's geese <laughs> everywhere. Here's the, you mean here's we, we didn't have story. geese in South Carolina until somebody physically no, went no, and brought no. We went and brought them here because it was a great idea. New York said it would be a great idea. Of course they thought it was a great idea. We brought them here, and they became a resident goose season. And most states throughout the United States now have a resident goose season. And the problematic they're problematic in that your time to hunt them, a lot of times they settle in urban areas where you can't hunt geese or on ponds and houses where you can't hunt geese. So it's hard, and people get real upset when you start trapping geese or killing geese that they like feeding. Uh, because for everybody that doesn't like that goose, there's somebody, for every 10 people that hate that goose, 
there's one person over here that loves them on the lake and is going to feed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. goose season is popular in its own regard, but a lot of times people don't want to hunt them because they don't like eating them. So uh, we can talk about goose season. We'll talk about goose season at the end of duck season a little bit. Uh, we can talk about our in-state season, kind of get an update on that. Yeah. But uh, I'm afraid that's our, our table fare for tonight, Phil. I love I it. I love it. Our goose is cooked for tonight, Major. Thank you so much. You got me wanting to go get a slice of a duck burger somewhere after the show. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Uh, thank you, Pat. Everybody have a great night. See you tomorrow night.